Uh, just to open up, would you just please just start by just sharing with us your stories? Um, probably the story just really quick uh, for you to get to know who we are as people. Um, I am, we're both ethnically Korean, not Thai, but Korean. Um, I'm a third generation American. My uh, family immigrated to the United States prior to 1910 and uh, grew up only speaking English in South Orange County. Uh, Kelly, on the other hand, is what I call a real Korean. She uh, was born and raised in Seoul, Korea. And when we met in 1986, um, I fell in love with Kelly the first time I saw her. And uh, the problem was, is I only spoke Kore uh, English, and Kelly only spoke Korean. <laughs> and unbelievably, I'd never been to Korea before. I enrolled in a language school in Korea, and um, uh, met Ke Kelly, and we basically got married within four or five months after I got there. Uh, don't ask me how we did that, not being able to speak to each other. <laughs> but it took many, many years for us to be able to, uh, for Kelly to immigrate to the United States, speak enough English, I was never very successful in learning enough Korean to be able to communicate to each other. And uh, I, I grew up in a secular home, did not grow up in a Christian home. And Kelly grew up in a Buddhist home in Korea. And we both found the Lord in our early 20s. And uh, Kelly's first missions experience is coming to the US. You can only imagine leaving your, your country, your family, uh, your support network and coming to a foreign country where you can't even speak to your husband and you've only known him for four or five months. And uh, that was very difficult for her. But I think the only thing, right thing I did as a young husband is that she wasn't understanding anything at uh, my English-speaking church. So I said, I've got to take her to a Korean church. And there she uh, understood the underpinnings of her newfound faith, found uh, community, and um, because of the hardship of living here without family, she went right through nominal Christianity and came face to face with a relationship of the Holy Spirit. And uh, at the meantime, I just became a, a churchgoer, just Sunday churchgoer, <laughs> sorry. And uh, you know, Koreans, all they wanna do is spend all day at church on Sunday. They even serve lunch so they don't have to leave. <laughs> That's true. And all I want to do is go home and have lunch right after service. So she prayed uh, for me for, I don't know, years and years and years, never told me. And uh, my life started to change. And uh, I started to understand the grace of God. And um, then we started to fight before uh, Sunday mornings because I didn't want to miss uh, worship service in the beginning. And so we, I said, okay, we're not going to fight to keep peace. I would just drive separately to church so I wouldn't miss any of the worship. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Anyway, that's, that's kind of us in a nutshell. <laughs> Kelly, anything you want to add? Okay. So, so how did God take you from a newlywed couple living in Mishvieo to Thailand? So how, tell us, how did you receive the calling and what made you, what did you wrestle with and what made you say, yes, Lord, I'll give up everything in Orange County and go to Thailand for your name. So um, if, if all of you could put yourselves in our place, because we're just like you, we never thought about uh, going into full-time ministry, uh, pastor, missionary. Uh, we raised three kids. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just normal people. I, I worked 
you know, for many different companies. Kelly was a homemaker, was the primary caregiver of our three children. And, uh, you know, we, we love going to church and serving in the church. I think I served on the missions committee. I was always uh, supporting others as they went out. And um, I think, I think um, you know, I'd always prayed, and Kelly always prayed too, you know, what was it like to, to live in God's will? And what, what was it like to have a calling, you know? And um, I, I would say two years before I received any calling, uh, Kelly uh, received um, a calling from the Lord. And uh, the Lord wanted her to go into uh, full-time ministry work, not, not mission specifically, but full-time ministry. And she said to the Lord, well, how can I serve you full-time without my husband? So um, she says, Lord, if you will just call my husband, and, and whatever you call him into doing, I will just obedient, obediently just follow that. So she just prayed. She understood the power of prayer. Just prayed for two years and never told me. Uh, I can a little bit exp uh, explain that. Uh, when I came here and then I studied Bible study and then and then when I do the Bible study, um, I understand who God is and what God wants me to do. So when God called me, and then I, I, I say, Lord, I'm not well, uh, worthy and then I'm not good, but you call, I, I can do only one thing, obey. So I obey, and then that time, I don't know, Korean man is a very God and, you know, husband. So I cannot say, honey, God called me, so let's go. So I just pray, Lord, stir his heart, not me. So that two years, uh, God stir his heart. Yes, so... So um, here, here I am minding my own business, and uh, I get this uh, calling to go to Thailand, and I just thought at the time it would be a short-term missions trip. And so um, has anybody ever read the book Radical by Dr. David Platt? That's a dangerous book. Uh, and it stirred uh, some things that the Lord had really been working on in my heart. And I said, Lord, if you want me to go to Thailand, uh, I will, but you're going to have to confirm it. And he did. And so uh, two guys from our church decided to go uh, with us to Thailand for 10 days. And it was an amazing time of answered prayer and seeing the Holy Spirit work uh, in a place that none of us had really been to before. And so when I got back, I just thought, okay, I, I obeyed the Lord. I'm going to check the box and I'll move on with my life. And, uh, but the Lord still, there was this kind of a, a pressing in. And I said, Lord, what is it? I, I thought I did what you asked me to do. Um, and so um, our pastor at the time, about six months later, this is in 2011, he was gonna lead a small team to India. And I, I talked Kelly into going. There was seven of us that went to Southern India to work at a Bible school. And that was a different experience, but no less amazing. And um, when I got back, 
I knew that he was calling me into long-term missions. And I can remember the day in my little office, and uh, I was sort of lost in thought, looking out of the parking lot, over the parking lot from the window of my office, and I said, Lord, I, I know what you're asking me to do, and uh, I don't want to do it. Uh, my plan was I was going to be an empty nester soon, and for those of you that have children and you're trying to uh, live and support a family on a single income, you're always at a state of being broke. And uh, we were almost going to have the kids off the payroll, so to speak, and we were going to just work real hard over the next 15 or 20 years and just save for retirement and just come alongside the local church like we had been. And uh, the Lord started to remind me of all the things he did for me. And, you know, I've done all these things for you, and now I'm asking you to do something for me, and you don't want to do it. Hmm. And during this time period before this calling, uh, he started to cultivate in my mind, someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I'm going to have, I didn't want to have regrets about anything that he asked us to do, including this. And so I said, Lord, um, I want to obey, even though I don't, we don't really typically want to do this. We're going to obey you. So if you will just help me, help us, sidestep the desires of our flesh, we'll do it. And uh, it started a two and a half year period of amazing things that we have never seen before. The Lord, we heard the Lord's voice. And, um, you know, he, uh, we got approved with our missions organization. Uh, this wasn't too long after the worst recession since the Great Depression. We thought we were never going to raise the support. Of course, we raised the support. We waited for our youngest to graduate from high school. And uh, one of the two objections I had uh, about going is that our youngest was a junior in high school. We had a junior in college. And I said, Lord, what about our children? And he retorted, I heard it very clearly in my mind. He says, who is a better father, you or me? And I said, well, that's not a fair question. <laughs> you know? And I said, what about my retirement? What about our retirement? He says, well, where do you think it's been coming from all along? you or me. Well, he just basically took away all of my excuses. And so we waited for our youngest to graduate from high school. And we said, um, you can either take a gap year and come with us, or you can stay and just uh, start college on your own. And he opted to come with us. He applied as a short-term missionary and joined us in the mission field for seven months. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to show you real quick. This is a picture of us uh, just when we got married in 1986. <laughs> the big glasses and everything. And this is our family. Uh, our oldest is a daughter. She's living and working in Florida. And we have a son that's uh, living and working in San Luis Obispo. And our youngest has uh, just started his last year of undergraduate school in San Diego. You know, uh, when you take it on faith that the Lord is going to take care of your children, he is a better father. Now, looking back the four years, he has never given us a reason to use our children as an excuse to come off the mission field. They have all made decisions to own their own faith in the Lord. Uh, they're making good decisions. Even the little one that we were very worried, you know, who is going to support him? He doesn't have a home to go home to during holidays, but we just saw his older brother kind of come alongside him and take care of him, as well as um, other people in our congregation that are 
kind of like surrogate parents to them. I have a funny story. Our son didn't have a car, we didn't have money to buy a car for him, so he's waiting for a public bus, and that's not so good in San Luis Obispo. And um, he scraped together $1,000 to buy a little Mazda Miata that had 300,000 miles on it. And he got into a minor fender bender, and the, and, the, and the fender touched the tire, so it made a horrible noise when he drove the car. And uh, friends of ours from our home church, um, uh, this is husband and wife, Cynthia, the, the wife actually, his fa her father Bob used to go to auctions and buy cars, fix them up and sell them as a hobby and make a little bit of side money. Well, he had passed away last year and uh, Cynthia said, Stephen, I'm concerned that you don't have reliable transportation. My father left two cars and I want you to have one. Uh, he, he had a used uh, Ford Taurus and a used Cadillac Coupe de Ville. So I thought he was going to be practical like his old man, <laughs> especially his old man being a, a, a missionary. He was going to take the Ford Taurus. Well, guess what car he chose? <laughs> he now drives a better car than I've ever driven. <laughs> so we just see how the Lord is, is taking care of all of them. They, they, they work and they're, making, they're paying their own bills. They are truly off the payroll now. And, um, yeah, it's exciting to see what the Lord, the Lord has done. So these are just, um, along the way, these are the two mission trips we took. We went to Thailand, and Kelly and I went to India. And God used those in a way to, to, to see the heart of the, uh, of the people in those countries, that he loves those people as much as he loves us. So, Thailand is where you got called you for four years. Um, share with us what's going on in Thailand. What's the spiritual condition? What was it like trying to share gospel in a foreign land? And, and maybe you could start by sharing, what was the adjustment like? Oh. So, um, for those of you that, that may not know missionaries, um, our commitment to OMF as our sending organization was five-year term, four years in the field, and one year on home assignment. We just started our one-year home assignment. Um, OMF is a church planning organization that was started by Hudson Taylor in 1865. And one of the major distinctives about OMF is that you have to learn the heart language of the people. You'll never reach them unless you learn the heart language. And so our whole first year was full-time language study of Central Thai, which is the national language of Thailand. And for those of you that have ever tried to learn anything, especially a foreign language after the age of 50, <laughs> especially with two people that have not been gifted with uh, linguistic uh, ability, we keep on praying for an Acts chapter two event, but God hasn't <laughs> done that yet. But um, it, it is coming and it does come slower, but Thai language is five tones. It's a, a tonal language, five distinct tones, unlike English, which is a monotonal language, you have to get the word right and you have to get the tone right. If you don't get the tone right, they don't understand what you're saying. So for example, I could say dek dek kong kun suoi mak nakap, or if I say dek dek kong kun suoi mak nakap, one means your baby is very beautiful, the second means your baby is very unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> And 
luck in the Asian culture is a very important thing. So to meet somebody, especially their baby, with a baby first time, you say they're unlucky, that's fighting words. <laughs> but uh, we, um, it's amazing. As soon as you say yes, the Lord doesn't say, okay, have at it. He, he starts to train you and equip you. Uh, the two people that you see in the photo, one is Kelly's mother, who is a practicing Buddhist for almost all of her life, except for the last six years of her life and a missionary couple, Jens and Deborah Bernhardt. And God used Kelly's mom, who came to the Lord six years before she had passed away. She passed away and went to heaven last year mm -hmm. to show us what it, how, how a Buddhist becomes a believer. Wow. And we think that after Kelly and I had prayed for her for years and years and years, that he didn't answer that prayer uh, until he called us as missionaries so that we could see how Buddhists become believers. And uh, Jens and Deborah, who were both uh, missionaries in India and in Thailand, uh, they were uh, really trying to train us on how did Jesus um, bring followers um, or bring people who did not believe in him into belief in him. And so we uh, equipped with that. We went out to Thailand, and we wanted to teach people not religious conversion so they would adopt uh, Christianity as a Western religion in replacement of Buddhism, but we wanted to teach them that they could follow a God, the same God that created the universe and the world around us, and allow the Holy Spirit to trans transform them. Mm. Wow. So we went to our language study, and you know, it was the hardest thing in the world. Just imagine if the Lord came to you today and said, I want you to go to Thailand. What would you say? And what would you do? And you end up in Thailand, and it's completely different. Let's see if I can find. Okay, so this is where we're working uh, in the northern part of Thailand. There's 77 provinces. The red one is called Lampang. And uh, we showed up, and we were just terrified all the time because we didn't speak or understand any Thai. And what's worse is when you start learning a little bit of Thai, is when you speak to somebody, you're more terrified that they're gonna say something back to you. <laughs> and you're not gonna understand what they're saying, which is most of the time. And, um, and it's, it's, it's hot. For those of you that have never been to Southeast Asia, if you could just think of Florida or Houston in the summer, 12 months out of the year. And so if you ask a Thai person, uh, how many seasons does Thailand have? Uh, there's three. Hot, really hot, and damn hot. <laughs> we just pray for those days when it's only hot. Um, in this photo, um, there's about 63 million people that live in Thailand. 94.6% uh, of the population is what they claim is Buddhist. 4.6% uh, are, um, are Muslim, Thai Muslim followers. 0.7% is Christian, but the greatest uh, growth in the Christian, uh, Christianity in Thailand are the ethnic Chinese and the tri tribal people. There's a, many, many tribal people. But if you just look at the pure Thai, it's 0.2%. So that's, under, that's almost 200 years of Protestant missions history, and it's only 0.2%. There are still many provinces that don't have a single Christian church or missionary. So it's considered an unreached 
uh, country, even almost 200 years. Mm -hmm. And um, so not only did he call us as missionaries, he's sending us to the, one of the hardest places ever. So what are the barriers as you try to do ministry that you are witnessing and what was hardest for both of you as a couple? So um, here's just some pictures of some of the Thai people. Some of the things that you'll notice is uh, they're smiling. And Thailand is known as the land of smiles. Uh, you can just smile. If you make eye contact with a Thai person, even if you don't know them and you smile really big, they'll smile back and that is an acceptable greeting. You don't even have to say anything. But one of the most difficult things, sorry, about reaching Thai people is Thai, uh, Thai, uh, Buddhism in Thailand is not just classic Buddhism. It is a mixture of animism and Hinduism. And it's all wrapped into one. So Can we you call define it, animism? So animism is the, um, the worship of spirits in the rocks, the trees, the air. Uh, most of our Native Americans that live in this country are animists. There are animists all over the world. Um, and because of the animism, uh, which is the most prominent feature in folk Buddhism in Thailand, they worship spirits, evil spirits. And so the spirit world in Thailand is extremely active. And so um, from the time that we stepped into Thailand, for four years and then step back off the plane at LAX, there is a pressure, a spiritual oppression that you feel because of the, the darkness. Um, this is our city pillar. Every major city in Thailand has a city pillar. It houses the spiritual deity that protects the city. And um, the way this, the, the deity gets there is that in the 1800s, they evoked these spirits to protect the country against foreign powers to colonize. In that, in that time frame, the French had basically colonized French Indochina. The British had colonized Malaysia and Myanmar. And the Thai are very proud because they were never colonized by anybody. But they did con give concessions of land to these foreign powers to stay free. But they also evoked spirits, powerful spirits, to protect the country. Five national spirits. This is a city pillar, the spirit of every city. This, the, the city deity, the way they get there is they would voluntarily take people or involuntary to coerce people to serve the king. They would be put in a hole and they would be buried alive. And the city pillar would be placed upon there and the spirit of those people that sacrifice their lives would become the city deity. And so every Thai home in the front has a spirit house that is to protect them from wandering spirits. And so they pray to these spirits, they give them offerings to appease them so they would not bring sickness and death. And so because of this uh, spiritual worship nationally, regionally, city, and at each home, the spirit world is very, very active. And we, there is not a Thai person that you would meet that is not their, either experienced spirits themselves uh, or know people that have seen ghosts. And they can tell you where and the, in the situation. And so um, for us, we have to be uh, in constant prayer for protection. 
And we know that these evil spirits, no matter how powerful they are, they have to bow down to Jesus. And so that's one of the barriers. So what were some things that you saw God doing in these past four years and in that kind of environment? So how do we, how do we basically reach out to Thai people? Well, it's really just praying to God. And Lord, would you, would you uh, bring people across your path that you're stirring the hearts and mind of that you want us to share you with? And the first person is this woman who literally called Kelly the first day we moved to Lampang. We had never met her. We didn't know the person that referred her, and she assumed we did. So she said, I'm here to help you. What can I do to help you? And so I'm elbowing her in the ribs, and I'm saying, we need a place to rent. So she said, well, could you help us find a place to rent so we can live in? So after two days, she networked around, and she called us back, and she showed us two places, the first place we rented. And we said, bam, we, would, we need a language helper. Would you become our language helper? And she said, sure. So um, that's Kelly and Bam basically in her little shop studying Thai language. Mm -hmm. And we never shared the gospel or about Jesus. We just focused at first on being her friend. And she eventually introduced us to her two school-aged children, her husband. Uh, she started to share her interests in learning uh, to play the violin. And we would go to her children's uh, badminton and archery practice. And eventually, over weeks and months, we started to pray and then started to share. And Bam would always listen to our testimony or our sharing about Jesus. And as soon as we finished, she would say, she completely changed the subject. Where should we go to lunch now? Like she wasn't interested. So a um, few months later, uh, I have to study with uh, Christian books. So that book is a kind of, um, it starts the beginning and then end is uh, the trying to kind of, um, let me explain. <laughs> so a language school recommend you have to use a Christian Thai people to teach, teach you because uh, um, Christian language is a very difficult. It's not a normal the language. So you have to use the Christian. But um, I pray to God, I say, Lord, this Christian module I study with her give us um, opportunity to share with her. So I study with her. She, we digging, you know, dictionaries. So after this book finish, and then few few weeks later, she say, "I'm ready to accept Christ." And I pray, and then I was so shocked. I'm like, "Whoa!" So she say, "Okay, what do I do?" And we say, "Um." you need to baptize. She said, what is a baptize? So we gave the pamphlet, gave, gave it to her, and then I say, read it, and then if you like to uh, have a baptize, we can do that. And then after a few weeks later, she say, I'm ready. <laughs> Another shot. So, so the key is, is that Thai people do not want to be Christian 
uh, Christianity, when you say you're a Christian in many parts of the world, is not a good word. Because what it means is I have to give up my Thai identity and accept Western culture. And I got to uh, go to this building with other people who call themselves Christian that I would have no other business to have a relationship with. And so that is the, the, the spiritual darkness together with the fact that they don't want to try their Thai culture for American Christian culture is the fact that there's not been much progress in the gospel. But if we follow the, the teaching of Jesus in the Bible, he never said that you had to be a cultural Christian from the West. You didn't have to be a, a cultural Jew to have the Holy Spirit. Um, Gentiles came uh, like the woman at the well who was a Samaritan. She didn't have to be a cultural Jew after she received faith in Jesus. Uh, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He did not have to follow the, the, the Jewish dietary laws and become circumcised after he became a follower. So we said, Bam, you're culturally Thai and it's all wrapped in their identity as a Buddhist and you can't unravel it. So we said, you already have a religion. You just keep it. But what we're advocating is just praying Jesus into your life. And when the Holy Spirit came into her, it started to transform her from the inside out. So we didn't have to tell her what to do and be the Christian police. We just allowed the Holy Spirit to do the work. And we just came alongside her and taught her Bible stories. And we had these wonderful discussions where the Holy Spirit would give her insight and sometimes would give us some insights that we didn't have, even though we've both followed the Lord for a long time. It was amazing to see. So do we have time for the video? Yes. We want to show you a video that was done. This is a year after Bam had been discipled, just uh, coming to our house. Uh, our son is a videographer, and he brought a rudimentary camera, and we just, just impromptu said, would you mind if we just asked you a few questions? So the thing is completely unscripted, and she's just speaking from her heart, and I'm hoping this, this will be a blessing to you. Which is it? Eventually, you prayed Jesus into your life. You know, what, what were maybe some of the reasons that you felt like that, that was something you wanted to do? Mm. I just want a peace in my life only now. Not, uh, not much money, but just only to live easy. Uh, so I don't, I don't pray for money. I just pray for the life, the, the, the way of life that I want uh, the Lord to prepare to lead us. So I don't expect anything. Mm. I just let them be as a God plan. Mm. 
mm. like that for me right mm. now. I feel like this. Mm. Just let it happen. And uh, since then, you know what? What have you found since you've prayed Jesus into your life? You know what benefit, or how do you know that Jesus is with you? Huh. I feel like uh, Jesus always with me. Mm-hmm. After I baptized, before that time, I feel like a, a lot of uh, problem happened in my life because uh, my father's passed away. Uh, uh, he's been hurt by other people to die. Mm-hmm. So I feel bad and I feel uh, like uh, worry a lot, so serious about that problem and wanna just wanna judgment that uh, the justice mm-hmm. that come to our family. So I feel like before I baptize, I feel like uh, always uh, worry, always pain, always feel bad. So sad mm-hmm. and worry about every day what will happen to mm-hmm. me and my family. Mm-hmm. So after I baptized, I understand that okay, my karma's gone, mm-hmm. all's gone. So mm-hmm. nothing to worry about the past mm-hmm. and nothing to worry about the future too. Mm-hmm. So let let the God lead my way mm-hmm. and like a, God will prepare everything for me. I believe like that. So, uh, nothing to fear. Uh, we will understand that God will do the right thing for me, the best thing for me always, mm. because I'm God's daughter now. Mm. So, don't mm. have to worry mm. like that. And I can feel a peace in my mind. Mm. Even though a lot of problems still, still there the same. Mm. Now that you have God in your life, what, what are your hopes for the future? Mm. I just hope that I can live uh, my life like this uh, mm. with friends like you and all my friends and have a good relationship more and more and can make more friends mm. and can tell other people about my story about Jesus too mm. and let other people uh, know the way to uh, being being free from karma like me mm. and don't have to worry about life anymore mm. I just don't want to pray for, pray for money or something I just want to pray uh, for the God to lead my life always like this mm. I believe in God that it's the God's plan for me mm. so um Maybe if you understood in the video, she says that my karma is all gone. Uh, Buddhists believe that they're in a state of karma, and the only way to escape karma is to go to nirvana. But there is a list of rules, like the Mosaic law, that they have to follow, but of course nobody can do it alone. So she believes that Jesus has rescued her out of karma, we we equate karma to us the state of the sin the, the sin of uh, the state of sin that she could not escape on her own. So we would ask that you would continue to pray for Bam, um, uh, that she would continue her journey to understand who God is more and more as she reads her Bible. Uh, pray for us as we have make connections with people. Uh, we have to. Um, reconnect with uh, many people that are our supporters and we have to find some new supporters and uh, get requalified to go out. Um, 
So if any of this has touched you, please contact us. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we promise not to ask you for any money, <laughs> but we just are here to be a blessing to you. Um, Kelly has uh, prayer cards that has our contact information. If you'd like to be added to our, um, our prayer letter, the, the thing that you can do the most for us to, and the, the, thing, the most practical thing you can do to be involved is just pray. So we'd love to have you do that. Um, so please see Kelly if that's something you would like to do. But we really appreciate being here. You're such a blessing to us and your whole church is a blessing to us.